This podcast was produced in partnership with Post Industrial Media. Post Industrial produces original journalism in podcast, print, online, and video, covering communities in transition around the world. Join our community today by visiting postindustrial.com. Hey, just a quick warning. This episode includes a description of sexual abuse and some offensive language. Okay, here we go. Way up in the Northern Rockies, there's a mythical 51st state. It exists only in the minds of a subset of people who live there. The land is real enough, though. Here, waves lap against the shore of Lake Ponderay in Sandpoint, Idaho. Ponderay is the kind of attraction that draws visitors to North Idaho. Its crystal clear waters are ringed by mountains, and its beaches are packed in summer. The region is known for its natural beauty and recreation. If you want to hike, ski, boat, fish, Idaho's narrow panhandle that extends up to the Canadian border is for you. That stuff is what draws tourists. But there's a slightly different draw for some of the people moving here. That mythical state I mentioned. Attention, patriots. Broadcasting from the free zones, Radio Free Redoubt begins in 5, 4, 3, 2... Welcome, God-fearing, liberty-loving patriots to the voice of the American Redoubt. This is Radio Free Redoubt broadcasting from the free zones, and the patriots are working to make it even freer. Despite This the is the American Redoubt. Uh, well, if you're outside the wire in occupied territory, our hearts and our prayers go out to you. But uh, thank That's you John Jacob Schmidt with his daily far-right radio show, Radio Free Redoubt. The so-called free zones he refers to is the redoubt. The idea is it's freer because it has fewer liberals and less government oversight, unlike the, quote, occupied territories. Those areas, Schmidt often says, have, quote, fallen, as if they've been taken over by a hostile army. If it sounds like the language of war, that's because it is. In the minds of preppers, survivalists, and militia members with an apocalyptic vision of the future, the redoubt represents a last refuge, a slice of the Rocky Mountains that can become a fortress for patriots, at least as they define patriots. And if it had a capital, it would be somewhere in North Idaho, its stronghold. The American redoubt does not exist in that its borders are completely imaginary. It's an idea, and, quite literally, a movement. With each new far-right transplant and with each election, though, this idea is becoming more and more real. I'm Heath Drusen, and this is Extremely American, a look inside militias and other far-right groups that are trying to remake America in their absolutist image. Episode 8, The 51st State. So what is the American Redoubt? First of all, you'll hear people say both Redoubt and Redoubt. I'll use Redoubt because that's what the dictionary says, and that's how the movement's founder says it. James Wesley Rawls is that founder. 
and he says the term comes from an old Swiss strategy for repelling a foreign invasion. Allow me to mangle the French words they use. Reduit Suisse. Either way, here's one of the movement's leading proponents, Alex Barron, explaining the concept of the American Redoubt. The American Redoubt concept is a political migration movement for cultural and religious conservatives to assist them in moving out of deep blue uh, liberal states into more conservative states and and becoming highly active in politics in their communities to, to help create societies that not only defend but promote Orthodox Christianity, classic Western civilization, and individual liberty. The Redoubt movement is fairly new. It started back in 2011. That's when Rawls set up shop in the Redoubt and proposed this homeland for self-appointed patriots. But there were already plenty of people living in what's now considered Redoubt country, whose ideologies were pretty firmly anti-government. See, it's also a very geographically specific concept. The imaginary borders of the Redoubt include Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and the eastern edges of Washington and Oregon. Basically a giant, rugged, sparsely populated corner of the country with very conservative politics. Barron is one of the three main voices behind the movement. Another is John Jacob Schmidt, who you heard on his radio show at the top. It's a daily half hour of far-right grievances, wild conspiracy theories, and tips on how to live off the grid. And there's the movement's founder, Rawls. He's a former Army intelligence officer who grew up in Northern California. Rawls is famous in far-right circles for survivalist novels about societal collapse. They have on-the-nose titles like Patriots, Survivors, and Liberators. Here he is on Schmidt's radio program late last year, talking about how his movement has been taking off. Well, I think that the Redoubt movement is accelerating. Each year, I've seen it actually grow a bit over the last six years. And this last year, or the current year, has been just absolutely astounding. So many people are moving, there's a guy running a lucrative real estate business in North Idaho. He almost exclusively caters to far-right migrants looking to build off-grid compounds. I'm Todd Savage with Black Rifle Real Estate. Uh, My wife and I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area for many, many years. Uh, In 2003, we met a gentleman named James Wesley Rawls. I met him at a gun show in Reno, Nevada, and his advice to me was to flee the city. Savage took the advice, and now he helps others make the move. So we moved our real estate business up to uh, the American Redoubt, and our main focus is finding like-minded, conservative, libertarian conservative folks that want to flee the sanctuary cities and come up here and and live a different lifestyle, Uh, fleeing crime, taxes, gun laws, and basically the nanny state. That nanny state is things like high taxes and more business regulations that people like Savage attribute to liberal-leaning states. Much of the redoubt is in places with lower taxes and fewer regulations. We see probably a four to five hundred percent increase right now in business. And clients are coming prepared with cash. Savage is selling the kind of rural acreage people buy to survive, not necessarily relax. There's a whole homesteading, self-sufficient ethos to the movement. People in the Redoubt often have a fallout shelter, solar power, and gardens to grow their own food. Many have survival bunkers stockpiled with years' worth of food, and the weapons to defend that food in case of roving hordes. The idea is, if things go south, you don't have to rely on the government you already distrust. Alex Barron lives that lifestyle, as far as I can tell. 
He's cagey about his exact location, but he's homesteading on a few acres outside of the small town of Post Falls. It's in the Panhandle region of Idaho, at the center of the Redoubt movement. In pictures Baron posts, you see farm equipment, fresh-cut hay fields, and a horse trailer. I've interviewed him several times in a nearby town, and I'm going to focus most of this episode on him. I am uh, known as the uh, bard of the American Readout Online. I'm very involved in uh, patriot politics, have been for many years. I've been one of the primary voices of the American Readout. Uh, James Rawls, who created the American Readout concept, has listed me as one of the, the, the big influences of the movement. Barron told a local newspaper he calls himself the bard to conjure a vision. To, quote, suggest a wayward vagabond carousing through clubs, bars, and churches, spreading the word that we live in uncertain times, in a nation that is increasingly hostile to our culture and faith. It's not clear if other people in the Redoubt movement call him that, too. Barron is an unusual character in the Redoubt. His backstory is quite a bit different than most of the middle-aged white dudes who dominate the scene. I was born in inner-city Chicago in Cabrini-Green, which is one of the worst projects in America. Um... Uh, I was, eventually, my father came on the scene and I left. He lived in a, a working class suburb, uh, poor, but working class suburb. But I went to spend um, uh, big parts of the school uh, of the year when we were in school with my mother. So I would be in a working class suburb and then I'd come back to absolute poverty. Barron paints a pretty horrific picture of his childhood. Gang violence, stray bullets killing kids, young girls getting raped. He says his experience in a Chicago project turned him against government. Barron, who is black, says the building of the projects displaced working-class black homeowners. And he says it showed him that government assistance programs are racist and make people reliant rather than lifting them out of poverty. That let me know that the government can be really wicked. The entire Cabrini-Green projects was a racist government when and said, you need to find housing for people. We're going to put these projects in a black working class community. Barron says spending time with his dad in the suburbs showed him an alternative way of life. And after spending most of his childhood in and around Chicago, a road trip west really opened his eyes. I remember driving across the country one time, the first time with my old man, and seeing I had never saw uh, such fields. And when I saw that, I realized that when you pack people in like rats, they end up living like rats. He was determined to escape that cycle of poverty and get out of the projects. He joined the Navy and eventually went to college on the GI Bill. After he got his education, he moved to San Diego and started an IT business. But then, in 2012, he heard about Rawls and the Redoubt concept. He immediately started making plans to move. Here he is in a speech to a far-right festival. I finally made my walk to freedom to live in Idaho. Now I live in North Idaho in a small acreage, and I ain't going nowhere. After moving to Idaho, Barron started the Charles Carroll Society blog, named after the only Catholic signatory to the Declaration of Independence. Barron is a traditionalist Catholic, basically an ultra-conservative wing of the religion. That blog is part of the whole Redoubt media ecosystem that popped up in the last decade or so. There's the aforementioned Radio Free Redoubt. There's kind of two schools of thought, and uh, one would be a civil war within this country. And James Wesley Rawls has his popular survival blog. And then there's Redoubt News, a quasi-journalistic site that's become a popular sounding board for far-right politicians. For a relative newcomer, Barron has had a pretty big impact on politics already. In fact, he and other adherents to the Redoubt philosophy almost immediately began reshaping the local Republican Party after they moved. There's this GOP committee in Barron's County. 
it plays a large role in backing candidates for office in what's basically a one-party state. Barron became secretary of the committee. Another Redoubt supporter and California transplant became committee chairman. One of the reasons more, more establishment Republicans don't like us is because we have actually truly ideas that are different than Republicans. And for one of them is like, we believe in police reform. We believe in prison reform. Many on the Patriot right believe in modifying drug laws. We don't believe the drug laws. We don't believe the government should have the right to tell you what to grow in your own backyard. We don't oppose that. That's true, but there's a lot more to why moderate Republicans and liberals don't like the Redoubters. It's not all fun in backyard weed. The group is very close to the militia movement, and many militia members are also Redoubters. Anti-vaxxers have become a major part of the movement. They've helped spread misinformation that's proved deadly during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's hard to say how many Redoubters there are. It's not like there are membership roles or even official events. One estimate in the book Survival and Resistance in Evangelical America is that 10,000 redoubters migrated to the area by 2015. That would be a huge number in a sparsely populated region. Just about every far-right rally and gathering within the movement's fictitious borders is at least loosely connected to the redoubt. So they've got people, they've got land, and there's a violent undercurrent. One of the redoubt's most prominent figures is former Washington lawmaker and pastor Matt Shea. He has advocated training children for Christian warfare and was named in a domestic terrorism investigation for plotting an armed standoff with the government. I mean, remember, Rawls got famous with books that basically told people how to prepare for end times. That apocalyptic vision pervades the movement. Here's Barron at that far-right festival in 2019. What are you willing to kill for? Because government never stops by choice. Always, every right you have has been used by force. Force has been used. That's the uncomfortable. Hey, if I say only things that you know and are comfortable with, what's the use of talking? That's the question you need to ask yourself when you're shaving in the morning, when you're putting on your face. Is there anything that you're willing to kill for? Anything at all? It's not my question. It's your question. In case you're wondering if there's context that makes this sound less literal, no. Barron makes it clear with his follow-up. Every veteran here will tell you that you never win by dying for your cause. A very brilliant general says you win by making the other poor bastard die for his. And Barron didn't shy away from violence in our interview. Didn't even give some throwaway line like, I don't condone political violence, but... I absolutely believe that political violence could happen. I, I believe that political violence, um, yes, absolutely, political violence can happen. Um, and people who are pay attention to the American Redoubt aren't worried at all. Uh, we absolutely know. We have said that there are many bright red lines that could move um, a lot of this political activism from marching the streets and demanding change through the political process through um, um, uh, political violence. Yes, I believe that violence is absolutely possible. That disturbs people like Alicia Abbott. Abbott lives in Sandpoint, Idaho, about an hour from Barron. She's an activist with the anti-extremist group, the Idaho 97. Abbott says she's been concerned about rising extremism in a region for a long time. But that came to a head when armed militia members connected to the redoubt took to the streets in 2020. They came out across North Idaho to counter Black Lives Matter protests. 
it was very unnerving to see quote-unquote militia members flanking our student activists from Sandpoint High School with semi-automatic weapons. It's alarming. Um, and their mini occupation lasted about three days. And I'm, I'm having a hard time grappling with that moment. Militia members spread false rumors of busloads of Antifa anarchists coming to destroy property. It was their justification for taking to the streets armed. Barron was at a protest too. He'd come out to see the armed counter-protesters and said he was impressed with the show of force. There was probably 3,000 rifles in Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene. That should be a noteworthy event. I'm saying 3,000 rifles showed up and there was no discharges, no one got shot, which is amazing when you have that many people armed to teeth. That right there showed um, North Idaho and that was the Patriot right showing up on the street. And that was an amazing demonstration. In one surreal scene, a handful of young Black Lives Matter protesters marched through downtown Coeur d'Alene. A few blocks away, a bunch of heavily armed guys gather in what looks like a strip mall parking lot. They're members of the 3% militia. A YouTube video captures the scene as one of the guys in the armed group lays out the situation. That's your First Amendment right, is to speak your mind, protest peaceably. The moment that we have people cross the line and get violent, right? then that's when we're obligated to stop them from doing that. The ultimate thing is using one of these weapons to take someone's life. And if you're not ready to do that, then you should go home. Because we're getting reports that they're coming ready. No one that's was coming ready. It was the same tired rumor that would keep coming up. Busloads of armed Antifa members were on the way to Idaho. Like, I swear, this Antifa bus has been broken down somewhere on I-90 for months, given the persistence of this rumor. And yet, this guy was talking about killing people. Take a walk, but walk up and down the street, the actual street, go look in the alleys, take one street up, walk up past, you know, the next block and just take a look, see, look for vans, look for cars, look for movement. The leader of this armed group is basically outlining a quasi-military patrol. And that's what they did. For days, they patrolled the streets, comforting some, menacing others. A local sheriff supportive of the armed action also admitted that they had a problem with some of the militia members getting drunk at local bars. That is, getting drunk while carrying loaded weapons. These armed patrols, it's more of that redoubt war footing. Abbott says the redoubter's view of politics as war makes it dangerous for liberal activists like her. Abbott was born in Sandpoint and lived there much of her life, but she says she's felt less and less comfortable in her hometown. She even left town for several months surrounding the 2020 election to avoid potential conflict. An unfortunate part of this type of activism is the targeted harassment, and it does prevent others like me from speaking out. Abbott showed me some messages Redoubter sent her. At the very least, they were far from welcoming. Here, she's showing me a Facebook message during our interview. So just to just to say what I'm looking at here, this is a uh, Facebook message. Um, it says, we see your messages. Why are you planning violence? You should not be engaging in espionage, creating your own spy apparatus, plotting against people you supposedly represent. But the redoubt pitch is resonating with a lot of people. I do believe there has been a very big migration of this ideology to specifically North Idaho. Uh, and they are immediate to get involved in civic activities, in local politics, 
on the library board, in the school board. And all along the way, they're creating misinformation campaigns. That's an important point about the redoubt. It's not meant to be inclusive. At its core, the idea is to create a kind of theocratic, radically free market utopia and push out people who think differently. James Wesley Rawls himself said as much about the people moving to the region on Radio Free Redoubt. It's really gratifying to see the people that are coming and the quality of the people are coming, not just the quantity, but the quality. A lot of really good Christian families, a huge majority of them are homeschoolers. Uh, And of course, because um, Christian families, particularly uh, traditional Catholics, Mormons, and Reformed Church members tend to have a lot of children, if there's any doubt at all about who the newcomers are, the, the few liberals that are moving in are being vastly outnumbered by the conservatives. Yes. The liberals are not even having 2.3 children. The conservatives ha- often have five, six, seven children. So demographically, we're winning. Good Christians. The most inclusive he ever gets when talking about his project is calling it a, quote, Judeo-Christian stronghold. And Rawls' self-appointed bard, Alex Barron, is pretty open about that part. Are you the kind of person that gets mad when someone walks up to you and says, Merry Christmas? If you're the kind of person that says, Merry Christmas, and you get that you find that offensive, then you probably wouldn't like a Judeo-Christian norm society. I mean, do you think a Muslim would feel welcome in, in that society? I don't know. I don't speak for Islam. You know, I would ask the question is, in Muslim-majority nations on this earth, are they uh, welcoming to Christian minorities? How welcoming is Saudi Arabia where you can't even have a cross or a Bible or any church cannot be built in the entire nation? I mean, Saudi Arabia? I think most of us can agree America should be more welcoming than Saudi Arabia. Like, that seems like an incredibly low bar. This mythical region, some call the Redoubt, has a rich history of non-inclusive anti-government movements. The Aryan nations infamously set up shop there in the 1980s and 90s. Redoubt adherents hate being connected to the Aryan nations, and the two groups are not directly connected in any way. But recently, Redoubters have done themselves no favors. Just this past election, the Redoubt-dominated Kootenai County, Idaho GOP backed a school board candidate named David Riley. On his website, he promotes only a Christian education and opposes critical race theory and mask mandates. But it's his social media use that's drawing the most criticism and allegations of racism. Riley has also been openly anti-Semitic and misogynistic. He has said, among other things, quote, all Jews are dangerous and, quote, Judaism is the religion of the Antichrist. For good measure, he also tweeted that women's suffrage was a mistake. He lost the election, but got more than 46% of the vote. The same redoubt-dominated GOP passed a resolution calling for the United States to grant a visa to an Austrian neo-Nazi named Martin Sellner. Sellner's fiancé lives in North Idaho. He has an extensive record of public, anti-Semitic, and racist activities. Sellner also received a $1,500 donation from the man who later killed 51 Muslims in Christchurch, New Zealand, during a racist rampage. Sellner never got his visa. He got married in Austria. And David Riley, the anti-Semitic school board candidate, attended the wedding. But these incidents haven't diminished the political power of the redoubt. Abbott says they've been increasingly influencing local government. James Wesley Rawls claims about 10,000 people migrated here between uh, the years 2013 and 2016. And that's a huge voter block. 
all these people vote. And so we, we saw a definite shift in people who are getting elected and reelected. They have a lot of political leverage right now. And that's one of the more disappointing parts of this entire situation. There's another question about the redoubt. Is there a flip side to the supposed freedom and remoteness of this quasi-51st state? Is it an opportunity for some people to get away with things in the shadows? Last September, Alex Barron, who calls himself the Bard, was out at a bar drinking. Later, he drove home and allegedly groped a 12-year-old girl and assaulted a woman. Police got a tip and called Barron in for questioning. According to the police report, Barron claimed he had been drugged at the bar that night, that his recollections were hazy. Police initially charged Barron with rape and sexual abuse of a child and arrested him. The rape charge was later changed to domestic battery. During a video arraignment, his wife told the judge she does not have keys to their house. Three years earlier, Barron was issued a misdemeanor citation for domestic battery. It was eventually dismissed. There's also a bizarre case where he shot and killed his neighbor's German shepherd with an AR-15 rifle. Barron claims he thought it was a coyote. Barron is currently out on a $35,000 bond for the sexual abuse charges. He did not respond to a request for a follow-up interview. Obviously, Barron is due his day in court, like anyone else. To be clear, most redoubters are not looking to get away with criminal behavior. They want to live with minimal government interference and be independent and self-sufficient. But the Aryan nations saw it as a perfect place to train a new generation of neo-Nazis. The leader of the violent neo-Nazi group, The Base, recently bought land in remote eastern Washington, within the redoubt boundaries. And there's this Confederate flag-waving Idaho State Representative, Heather Scott, who's a major figure in redoubt politics. She was named in a domestic terrorism report for helping plan the deadly 2016 armed standoff at an Oregon wildlife refuge. And last year, a comedian named Owen Benjamin, who praised Hitler among many anti-Semitic and homophobic comments, bought land for a compound in North Idaho. He's talked about inviting his alt-right followers to come for weapons training. His realtor is that guy Todd Savage, who runs Black Rifle Real Estate. Liberal activist Alicia Abbott says all of that is silencing dissent. I would say their intimidation is extremely effective. We have people who won't run for office again. Uh, people who won't even consider running for office. And those are effects that are due to the trauma of repetitive harassment and real threats of violence. Abbott, though, she says she'll continue. Change doesn't come with anonymity. We have to move forward. We have to hold those who are making poor decisions accountable. Next week on Extremely American, the people taking on militias and other far-right groups and taking their lumps in the process. What was the latest one that I got called? Commie socialist neocon. Yeah. Oh, and I got called a cuck. Had to go look that one up. We'll meet disaffected Republicans and lefty activists trying to counter extremism in politics. They're raising money and trying to convince voters that even in 2022, some fringe ideas should be out of bounds for candidates. Extremely American was created by me, Keith Drusen. Story editing by Morgan Springer. Mixing and sound engineering by James Dawson. Original music by Micah Huang. Additional music from Artlist. Kim Palmero is editor-in-chief and CEO of Post-Industrial Media. Thanks also to Boise State Public Radio, the exclusive public radio sponsor for this podcast. 
You can help people find us by taking a second to rate and review this podcast on whatever app you're using to listen. This podcast is made possible through the Candida Fund. Learn more at kendeda.org. And from the Joyce Foundation, joycefdn.org. With support from the Forbes Funds at forbesfunds.org. And we've got photos from the series and some companion articles at postindustrial.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Post-Industrial Media. Post-Industrial covers people, culture, and ideas for post-industrial communities around the world. Visit postindustrial.com to learn how you can join the post-industrial community.